Preface of Hymns and Spiritual Songs. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Marianne Spiegel. Hymns for the Church on Earth, being three hundred hymns and spiritual songs, for the most part of modern date. Selected and arranged by the Rev. J. C. Ryle. Preface. In sending forth a new collection of hymns, I feel it necessary to preface the work by a few words of explanation. I am anxious that no purchaser should misunderstand the nature of its contents. The first hundred hymns in this collection have already appeared in a separate form, under the title of Spiritual Songs. Footnote. This edition was reprinted in the small form some years ago, and the success which has attended its publication has led the American publisher to reproduce the present volume. End of footnote. The remaining two hundred hymns have been added to the former selection, and the whole three hundred are now sent forth, to prevent confusion, under the new title of Hymns for the Church on Earth. Some explanatory account of the whole collection will now, perhaps, not be thought out of place. I wish it, then, to be distinctly understood that the volume now in the reader's hands does not profess to be a complete collection of all the best English hymns, the old familiar compositions of Watts, Wesley, Newton, Cooper, Toplady, etc., with which every lover of Christian psalmody is acquainted, are, for the most part, purposefully excluded from its pages. It contains, with a few exceptions, no hymns which are not comparatively of modern date. The greater proportion of the hymns in this volume are either very little known, or at any rate are not to be found in most of the hymn-books commonly used. It is a collection of the best modern hymns, and of a few old hymns, which are not so well known as they deserve to be. Furthermore, I wish it to be understood that this collection is not primarily intended for congregational use. Many of the hymns, no doubt, are admirably adapted for singing in the congregation. Many others, however, from their highly experimental character, are better suited for private reading, while many are shut out from public usefulness by their peculiar and irregular meters. The comfort of invalids and the edification of Christians in private have been the two principal objects I have had in view in preparing this collection. I hold strongly that holy thoughts often abide for ever in men's memories under the form of poetry, which pass away and are forgotten under the form of prose. In compiling this hymn-book, I have availed myself of all the best modern collections which I have been able to obtain, whether of English, Scotch, Irish, or American origin, and I have laid no British or Irish authors under contribution without first seeking their permission. To the following writers I desire especially to express my grateful acknowledgments, and to thank them for the kindness and courtesy with which they have acceded to my applications for leave to use their hymns. Dr. Bonar of Kelso, N.B., Rev. R. Macduff, Miss Catherine Winkworth, translator of the German hymns entitled Lyra Germanica, R. Massey, Esquire, translator of the German hymns by Spitta entitled Lyra Domestica, the translator of the German hymns entitled Hymns from the Land of Luther, A. L. W., author of Hymns and Meditations, J. T., author of Wood Sorrel, the author of The Christian Life in Song, and Rev. C. T. Astley, author of Songs in the Night. 
I desire also to express my thanks to Messrs. Longman and Co., the well-known publishers, for their permission to insert some hymns from the first series of Lyrics Germanica and from Lyra Domestica, in the copyright of both which works they have beneficial interest. I must frankly confess that I have been unable to discover the authorship of many of the hymns which I have inserted in this collection, and have consequently been unable to ask the permission of the writers to use them. If, therefore, any living authors of hymns should happen to see their compositions used without leave in this volume, I can only ask them to acquit me of any intentional discourtesy, and to believe that I would have asked their permission if I had known where to apply. The subjects of the hymns in this collection are of wide range. I purposely excluded all hymns which can only interest some one particular section of the Church of Christ. I have specially endeavored to include those which come home to the hearts of all true Christians, of every name and people and tongue. Hymns full of Jesus Christ, whether living, dying, rising, interceding, sympathizing, or coming again. Hymns full of the experience of believers, their conflicts, crosses, hopes, fears, sorrows, and joys. Such hymns are always useful. Of such, the church can never have too many. Of such, I venture to think the present volume contains a rich store. Of the general value of hymns, it is needless to say anything. The children of the world may regard psalm-singing or hymn-writing with indifference or ill-disguised contempt. But the true-hearted servants of that Saviour, who sung a hymn before he went out to the Mount of Olives, have ever loved, in every age, to teach and admonish one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Colossians chapter 3, verse 19. The Bible, on which they love to feed daily, abounds in hymns of praise. The heaven, which they hope to inhabit one day, will be the abode of eternal praise. A thankful, hymn-singing spirit has always marked the days of a church's spiritual prosperity. It is a pleasant thought that, however much Christians may disagree in pulpits, on platforms, and in prose writing, they are generally of one heart and one mind, in praise and prayer. If the three hundred hymns which I now send forth shall do good to the weakest lamb in Christ's flock, and shall comfort, cheer, establish, or build up one suffering member of Christ's mystical body, the labor which I have expended in collecting them will be more than repaid. J. C. Ryle Helmingham Rectory, Suffolk, December 1860 End of Preface